0: Well, I'm going to read today, like I said, from Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 13. We have one sermon this Sunday and one sermon next week as we're back together listening to God speak to us. Romans chapter 13. How do I love those above me? That's what Paul is helping us with here. Loving those above us next week. Loving those beside us. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Own no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen. From 1918 to 1919, the Spanish flu raged throughout the world. It is thought that 50 million people died, several times the number who had been killed in World War I. The Spanish flu remains the most deadly pandemic in human history. And the main lessons that historians of this pandemic and other pandemics like it throughout world history, other global viruses, the main lesson is what? People study these things all the time. They dissect them, analyze them, what happened. They look at mistakes that people have made, at successes in the past. And the main lesson from all the stages of world history, looking at pandemics is this. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. So right, isn't it? It's what we've wanted for all these months as we've been in lockdown and emerging out of it. People want the truth. We are living in the greatest public health crisis for a generation. And what we want is truth about mortality rates, truth about infection, truth about flattening the curve, truth about hygiene, truth about social distancing. We need the truth. Incredibly friends our last Sunday together as a church family our last Sunday sitting in the same room side-by-side with each other was Sunday the 15th of March 2020 Today 30th of August 2020 is our 24th Sunday online Almost half a year half a year of Sundays and next Sunday we begin to gather again And so today, I want to do what I did all the way back on the 15th of March. I want to tell you the truth today about this pandemic, the truth from the Bible. Now, of course, the Bible doesn't mention COVID-19, does it, or swine flu or SARS or Spanish flu. It doesn't mention any of these things, but it does tell us the truth about these things. As the pandemic began for us back in March, the truth that we needed to hear came from Joel chapter two. You might remember the day of the Lord is near. And because the day of the Lord is near, we need to come to God in repentance. Repent. That was the message, the truth. Now here we are in just a week's time, slowly, painfully emerging from our caves, blinking in the sunlight, aren't we? Breathing uncomfortably in our masks. Here is more truth to be told. We need to learn to love each other in new ways. Here's the truth, friends. We are going to need to love each other in new ways. I am preaching today to a camera and an empty church. It has been heartbreaking through these months of lockdown. But wonderfully, from next Sunday, God willing, some of you are going to join me in here, dotted around this wonderful room. In the coming weeks, more and more of you will be here. And here's the thing, maybe the heartbreak will be less, I hope it will, but the frustration is going to linger. The frustration will remain. Everything is different, isn't it, for now? We are still living in unprecedented times. And the truth is, we are going to need to learn to love each other again. We're going to need to learn to bear with each other again, to put up with one another's needs before our own needs. And so what I want to do this Sunday and next Sunday is two sermons to help us learn to love. Today, loving those who are above me. Romans chapter 13, those above me in government are secular, are civil authorities. And next Sunday, Romans chapter 14, loving those who are beside me our brothers and sisters in church. And so today, as we look at chapter 13, verses 1 to 10, I have just one point, only one point. Here's the truth, friends. Love your leaders by submitting to them. Love your leaders by submitting to them. The point is so clear, isn't it, from verse 1. Here's the command for us today. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. So the Bible tells us the truth about our leaders, our government, those in civil authority. And I think it is a truth we don't often acknowledge. It's a truth we often ignore. Can you see from the passage what the truth is about our leaders? Did you spot it as we read? See, see, I want you to imagine one day on your phone or computer or TV or whatever you're doing, imagine on your screen A big red bar comes up with white lettering, breaking news. Whatever you're doing is interrupted. Breaking news. Something dramatic is about to happen. The world stops. And on your screen appears the words, breaking news. God's servants are going to address the nation today at 12 p.m. God's servants are going to address the nation.'" And you think to yourself, wow, this is big news. God's servants are going to do this. Who's this going to be on the TV? Archbishop of Canterbury? Is it going to be a minister on TV? Maybe the Cruden Trust are pushing the boat out and David's going to be on TV. God's servant's going to be there. Who do you apply that language to? God's servant. Who comes to mind? You turn on the television at 12 p.m., Breaking news, God's servants are about to address the nation, and up to the podium comes Nicholas Sturgeon. Again, Boris Johnson appears in Westminster. Emmanuel Macron appears on the TV screens in France. Angela Merkel in Germany. Scott Morrison in Australia. Donald Trump appears on the screens of every American with breaking news. God's servant is addressing his people. God's servant. Now, what do you think? I wonder if you've ever thought that all the way through this pandemic, as as your politicians appear in the media and appear in front of you, directing all the limitations of our freedoms, squeezing all the freedoms that we've cherished and known throughout our lives, have you ever thought you are listening to God's servant? See See what Paul says in the text? Verse 1, there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Those governing authorities, God put them there. And more than that, look what he says in verse 4. These rulers, the rulers that you have, he or she, is God's servant for your good. God's servant. Look at verse 6. This is even more remarkable. Verse 6, when it comes to doing your self-assessment tax return, have you ever thought that the person on the other end, as you click submit, send, and sign off all that hard-earned money back to the government, have you ever thought that the person on the other end is a minister of God? A minister of God, wow. Now now that word minister here, it's a different word from the word for servant in verse 4. And the word for minister in verse 6, well, it's the word for the people who served in the temple. Secular leaders, maybe, with no thought of God or no care for him. Atheist tax collectors performing a religious function because, well, do you see what verse 7 says? They are overseeing one of the areas where we we are meant to give people what we owe them. Paul is saying that is what makes society work well. Give people what you owe them. If you owe someone money for a a day's hard work, give it to them. If you owe someone justice for a wrong done to them, give them justice. Friends, if you owe somebody safety and protection because of a virus that is circulating in the population, give it to them. And if you have governments and authorities above you, what do we owe them? Paul is showing us here, we owe them the love of submitting to them. The love of submitting to them. I want you to notice how this passage today is all about love. Look back at chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Look at chapter 13, verse 8. Owe oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And sandwiched in between this material about love is material about submission to authorities. It is all about loving those who are above me. And so today, friends, as we listen and as we prepare to return again to gathered worship, I want to say that Everything we are doing as a session, as a group of elders, to lead our church family, as we return to being together, is informed by all of this. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Friends, dotted all around this building, you're about to see next week, dotted all around this building is our submission to our government laminated signs everywhere, hand gels at every entrance and exit, track and trace capabilities all over the building as you arrive. Our session's conviction is that at the present time, this is what is good. This is what is good conduct. So that when you arrive next Sunday and as visitors enter and come into our midst, we are not left owing them anything. We've done everything we can to love each other well because we have first sought to love our governing authorities well. See, the Bible tells us to pray for those who are over us. Pray for those who are over us. Friends, if you are an ardent anti-royalist and you cannot stand the queen and all that the monarchy represents, do not be upset in church when we pray for her. The Bible tells us to love her like that. If you are ardently anti-SNP and you cannot bear Nicola Sturgeon and all that she represents, do not be upset when we pray for her. The Bible tells us to love her like that. And so, friends, that is our posture at the minute as a leadership in our church family That is our posture of submission to the government in the attempt to love each other well by loving our government well. And immediately, of course, it raises the question, doesn't it? It raises the question. I mean, we want to say it back to Paul when we read this, don't we? But what about bad government, Paul? And what if I disagree with the government, Paul? Here we are in the midst of a pandemic are you saying it is submission to the government all the way, hook, line, and sinker, no matter what? So all I want to do, friends, in the time that I've got left, all I want to do is just apply this passage in two different opposite directions. Okay, I want to take the truth here, and I want to apply it to the person who is fed up to the back teeth of the government at the minute. You are so frustrated at all the curbing of your freedom, at all the infringements you've had to suffer, all the indignities of it. You have different convictions, different beliefs about the virus. I want to apply this passage oppositely to the person who wants to sign up to all the government messaging, hook, line, and sinker, not just on the pandemic, but on anything. If somebody tells you to do something, you do it. If someone tells you not to do something, you don't do it. So two extremes, the the, the refusal to obey and submit, the quick and ready submission. Two extremes. Probably most of us, I guess, are somewhere in between. Most of us caught up in the middle, sometimes a little bit of one, a little bit of the other. But you will know what applies to you. Okay, so one end of the spectrum, how dare you tell me what to do type of person. The other end of the spectrum, yes, sir, no, sir. You're well all the way, sir. Let me speak to this type of person first, the the quickly compliant, easily submissive. On this pandemic, you believe the government has got it right. And you will go with whatever they tell you to do, whatever. If the government says it, you do it. Now, let me say again, friends, our session and our trust believe that as we start to meet together again, we are in a place of frustrated submission to the government Frustrated submission. It it is informing all we do. Submission, yes, but it is frustrating. It is limiting. It is curbing what we would love to be able to do. And here is what we all need to learn from this passage as we look at it together. Submission to governing authorities is never absolute. It is never absolute. It's never unconditional. It is never what we do all the time without question, without stopping to ask Is this what God wants or is it just what the government wants? You see, the the moment here you introduce God into the equation, submission to any government anywhere can never be absolute. It is conditional. It's always conditional. Look at the text again. These authorities, Paul says, have been instituted by not democracy, not the popular vote, by God. God has put them there. I love what the Westminster Confession says, our doctrinal basis. We have a beautiful doctrinal basis for our church family. And here's what it says. It covers almost every aspect of life you could imagine. The Westminster Confession says this, God, the supreme Lord and King of the world, has ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people. For his own glory and the public good. It's a lovely way of putting is isn't it? Holyrood and Westminster are over me and over you, but under God. You see it? Under God, over us, for his own glory. And so some commentators point out that in Romans chapter 13, the text tells us to be subject to authorities, rather than to be obedient to them. Be subject to them rather than to be obedient to them. The idea is that we submit to the government, but we obey God. And so we would never, ever do any kind of submission to the government that is in disobedience to God. Acts chapter 5, do you remember it? We must obey God rather than men. Oh, obedience to God is absolute. Obedience to God is absolute. Submission to a government is not absolute. And I think you can see this here from Romans chapter 13. Look at verse 9 again. Loving each other well is always a fulfillment of the law, of God's law. So if you want to know why we're going to sit two meters apart and observe distancing for the time being and not sing, Whatever we might think of all these things personally is because in all the frustration of it all our government is not causing us to stop loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now we might not agree with it. We might think it's overblown. We might think it's overdone. And yet at the heart of what the government is trying to do is love for neighbor as much as love for self. And for us, as, a, as an, an eldership, a session, a, a church leadership, it is obedience to God that is driving us to try and love our neighbour in this way. For now, friends, there are things our government might ask us to do that, as a church leadership, we will never do. Never do. We don't believe we'd reach that point yet here in this pandemic, but. It is right for all of us to think about this and to begin to think. Let me, let me put it this way. Think about this question. If you are a naturally submissive person, when would you be willing to go against your government? Be willing, friends. Be ready to go against your government when they tell you to call evil good. When they demand that you call sin Righteousness. Be willing at that point to say, no, my submission to you is not absolute. My obedience to God is everything. Can I just give us today one example where I think it is crystal clear every single government in the world has got this pandemic wrong, every government. So I'm not picking on our own government or Westminster or anything like that. I think in most cases around the world, governments are leading by fear. Fear is the dominant way in which they are leading. This virus is deadly. You need to do A and B and C to survive and to help each other. And if you don't do A and B and C, the consequences will be awful for you and for all of us. And I think, friends, that message works, doesn't it? If you want maximum compliance, you need maximum fear. When people are frightened you hold them in there in your hand you can do almost whatever you want with them But here's the thing here's here's the reason the reason why I think all governments are getting this wrong because Jesus says that if you ever stand on a public platform and tell people that they might die and you do not then add that they need to fear God more than death you are getting fear wrong Isn't that right? Do you remember Jesus' words? Luke chapter 12. Do not fear those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. See what he's saying? Do not fear a virus that can kill your body and then leave you dead. What else can it do to you after that? But Jesus says, I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Do you see what I mean? Any government that is not using this pandemic to lead a nation by the hand to the living God in repentance does not really understand fear. Yes, we might die, first minister. Yes, I might die, prime minister. But then what? What do I do then? Can you help me with what comes after death? Oh, friends, governments are over us, but they are under God. Never forget that. Listen always to what any government wants from you and ask yourself always, what does God want from me? And if they are different, if they are different things, friends, go with God every single time, every time. Let me just finish with this. What about the other extreme? Maybe you think today, yeah, yeah, of course, I get all of this. Exactly right. God every time, not the government. And on this pandemic, you've read up and studied. You're convinced it's basically, the response is basically all wrong. This is project fear from start to end. The mortality rates are overblown. The, the way the media reports it is all skewn. The lockdown cure is going to prove The cure is going to prove worse than the virus disease and you are frustrated and angry and this whole thing is a waste of time. Let me just say this to you friends today. Do not forget the big picture of government. Don't forget the big picture of government in the world. Government is there in the world to bear the sword. Verse 4. In other words, government is there to restrain evil. In a fallen and broken world, government, however imperfect, is a great gift in a world of fallenness. An imperfect government is a great gift in a world of fallenness. It it brings order and restraint. And so look, twice, verses 4 and 5, Paul refers to God's wrath. What is the greatest danger in the world, a pandemic or facing God's wrath? Listen to John Piper on these verses. He says this, I think Paul wants to say to Christians, do not get your back up so easily with your government because being wronged by a government sends nobody to hell. Don't get your back up so easily with your imperfect, faulty, frustrating government. Being wronged by a government sends nobody to hell, but... Being rebellious and angry and bitter and spiteful does send people to hell. And so it is a much greater evil for you to be rebellious than of a government to mistreat you. Much greater evil for you, that is. Friends, do you see what Paul is saying? I think Piper is right. Do not miss the force of that. It is a much greater evil for us to be rebellious than it is for the government to mistreat us. I wonder if you believe that. We so quickly put it the other way around, don't we? My rights, my freedoms. Paul is saying it is a greater evil for us to go against a government, to, to rebel against it, than for them to mistreat me. I want to ask you today if you know... How to handle injustice with patience, with grace, with perseverance, with entrusting yourself to your loving Heavenly Father. And so I want to encourage you today to adopt a new stance towards those whom you disagree with, towards those above you. Let's say today, let's say you just radically disagree and you think government's getting it wrong. Your church is getting it wrong. Well, our doctrinal basis is here to help you again. Here is the Westminster Confession, Larger Catechism, Question 127. There are so many questions and answers in the Larger Catechism because our forefathers thought of all the details of life. How does the gospel and the law of God's love work out into our lives in all the nooks and crannies? Question 127, let's say you're feeling frustrated, you feel like that. Here's the question. The question of the catechism is this, what honor do we owe to those above us? What honor do we owe to those above us? And here's part of the answer. The honor that is owed to them, here's the quote, is bearing with their infirmities and covering them with love so that we may be an honor to them and to their government bearing with their infirmities and covering them in love so that we may be an honor to them and to their government. Do you see see what that, that question and answer does? You do not have to agree with the government. You are free to disagree. You are perfectly entitled to think that the government response is part of their infirmity, part of their weakness, part of their inadequacy. But look what that does straight away. It changes it, doesn't it? changes us straight away from how can I attack you to how must I bear with you and honor you. I don't know about you, friends, but on several occasions through this pandemic, I have been very glad I've been watching the news alone in my study. I have watched broadcasts or read published guidance, and as it has come to me, I have covered it with scorn, And covered it with cynicism and anger and frustration. Paul says, yes, I see all of that. But how much have you ever tried to cover the infirmities of those who lead you with love? With prayer. With respect. With sympathy. With understanding about the complexity of this problem that has just exploded in their laps as much as in yours and mine. Brothers and sisters, chapter 13, verse 7. Give respect to whom respect is owed. Give honor to whom honor is owed. So may God help us. And so may we be and give and show. Amen.